Okay, everybody, <clears throat> back as I'm waiting for him to, to join. Uh, this will be the last segment. Um, I will take guest uh, questions at the end. Um, just one quick question so I can try to get in several if, if there are some that are waiting. A uh, couple more questions I do want to ask that I didn't get to before we get into the solutions. Okay, let me check the email again real quick. There you go. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Perfect. So one, one other thing that um, popped into my mind, a uh, big topic, of course, I'm sure you know here in Florida, is uh, CRT in the schools. Right. What's your thoughts on that? Well, here's my thought on the whole thing going on with schools. Okay. I grew up in the public school system, probably like yourself. Mm. We went to school to learn. We went to school for math, reading, English, social studies, gym. Need I say more? Mm -hmm. Why do we need to change that direction of how our kids are learning? School is meant to learn, stay focused to learn. Okay. All that other stuff about, it's crazy. I, I hear some of the stories about, you know, teachers talking about, sex or talking about you know their personal lives and school and whatever and this and that no that, that that shouldn't be you know i'm old school i grew up like that you know we we grew up learning that's it if that answers that question great mm -hmm. without getting into all the the you know the details about crt no i i, I agree i agree with that but when i went to school I was taught that Christopher Columbus came over here, right. shook hands with the Indians, and that the Indians stabbed them in the back, hence right. the, the, you know, the name Indian giver. Right. You know, so our history has to be taught, but it has to be taught in, in its truthful aspect and not to degrade anybody, I think, but just to be taught as, as what happened, happened. Like, right. what is wrong with facts and truth? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. the, the sex part, absolutely. Like this blows my mind. This, but when I hear about kids having to announce whether they're gay or not, at, and at, it's, it's like, I never had to. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't be. I never had to, to deal with that, but I understand from the bullying aspect, I guess. Yeah. You know, making some individuals feel, but like, I don't even know. I'm not a scientist. You know, it is it is difficult, you know. I, I just don't think that kids are thinking about their sexuality. I don't think a kid at 10 years old is is thinking that they're entrapped in a woman's body. Well, no, but we're creating 
that environment for them to to think to start thinking about that at a young age how that's so what, that's what they want i mean you know i'm listening i go to this some of the school board meetings here and i i hear you know some of the kids coming up and talking and some of the things they're talking about and i'm thinking to myself these kids are being misled you know and i'm going to use the uh don't say gay bill which is not a don't say gay bill. It's a parental consent bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. These kids are being brainwashed to, to think and believe that people in the school system are not, a, a, not supposed to say the word gay. That's not the case. They're being misled. They're, they're being lied to by who adults, you know, there's an agenda that go, that's going on by one party and I'm not happy with it. And, and, and we should not be, you know, leading these kids down a path of destruction when, when it comes to this bill. That's my opinion. You know, we, we need to be straightforward with these kids. And, and surprisingly to me is that these kids are not actually reading the bill themselves and seeing it and seeing what it's about. But yet they're listening to the to the grownups, the parents or the, the teachers, and that's how they're being led down that path. Well, they're not listening to the parents. And that's a right. lot of the issue is, is our children don't listen to the parents. They don't respect elders anymore. Right. Right. And, and when you get into – I'm sorry, but when you get into communism, this is the confines. This is the structure of communism is to separate the child from the parent. So right. that all of the institutional training goes into the child and the parent is just the worker. The parent doesn't, you can't retrain, you can't train the parent. All right. you can do is work the parent. Right. The child is who you train. Yeah. So when we're sitting here and we're looking at what's going on in our communities, our parents are working 60 to 80 hours a week. We don't have time for our children. It used to be where the father, the man of the house could work a 40 hour week and sustain a whole household while the mother stayed at home was a homemaker took care of the home raised the children taught the children was involved with their school there's no there's none of that no more yep that's how i grew up there's there's none of that no more both man and women are working 40 hours to sustain if they're lucky if they have a good job depending on the school system to babysit their kids or or some other type of facility that's all what controlled by the federal government everything is regulated by the government what goes into everything so we we um the solutions you know as as part of communities right my solution is that one as i stated earlier we stop committing crimes against one another and stop looking to make a dollar off your neighbor at their detriment what's going on with this baby formula crisis right yeah 50 percent out of stock nationwide i have a friend that had to drive all the way up to alabama to go get the formula that she needed from the tampa bay area wow that's because of the uh, recall correct Amongst other things, yeah, but yeah. the recall and and, yeah. and and such other things, but it's it's and one one thing that I hear about with that is you know now they're trying to say oh you know they're putting all the the baby formula to the border and this and that, but see one thing that that I'm 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 not 
Yeah, illegal no, immigrants in Ukraine. Not, one thing that's that, one thing that they're not talking about is we always send baby formula to the border. Am I correct? Mm. I mean, isn't there always babies at the border? So with the, the babies have to eat at the border. So that baby formula was always being sent to the border, whether there be a recall or not. It's it was still going there. It's not like it's going there now just because there's a shortage. That's well, not what's causing the shortage. But it's everything in combination. We have all of these, right. all of our food processing plant. Well, not all yeah. of them, but six of them was burned down. I, I seen and, that. And then in, out in the news comes the, the, the agriculture guy was arrested for treason. And then it turns around and comes out, oh, that was, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, and, then, and then all of a sudden we, we go into this. The, the, our food food is off the chain now yeah like two hundred dollars gets you nothing that might well, get you a week supply of food yeah and you know how hard it is to come up with two hundred dollars to go get food yeah right and now you you're throwing the baby formula on top of this yeah everything is happening at once and this is why people are saying like man these people are doing this to us i understand it i had to cash out my pension just to live so i understand it so it's it's what can we do in the community? Stop committing crimes. Look out for one another. Stop, as I say, stop. Know where your money's going. Stop funneling money to Amazon. Stop funneling money to these big corporations that are doing nothing for the communities, right? Start spending money with your community, right? We have to make sacrifices. We may not like the that the fact that we have to get out and search for a bargain, or, but this is what we had to do back in the day. Yeah. But look yep. what we've done because of our laziness and our greed, right? And 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 our sheepness of wanting to to just control by uh, uh what, what is it called? Like emotionally buy things. Right. We took we let a we allowed a man to go from just selling books online to to college kids, right? At a cheaper rate to to flying himself to space on his own ship and coming back and laughing at his customers. Yeah, I re- I remember that. You know, I go by these Amazon facilities and they look like prisons. They, they're huge, huge prisons. Yep. They have no windows. Like, what are we, what are we spending our money? What are we giving our money to? Yeah. So we have to wake up in our communities and we have to know who's on the right, who's on the wrong and stand behind these people. Get involved in your schools. Right. And just stop with the distractions that these people have put in place to keep us mesmerized while all of this stuff goes on. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. I mean, for a long time, you know, I was on unemployment and my family was on food stamps, you know, while I was getting fired all these times. You know, it's, it's, it's not easy. I, I, I could see how, you know, a lot of these people struggle. I've lived it. You know, two seventy five a week is what I got on unemployment. <laughs> so you know, you yeah. know, Mark, the frustration of sitting yeah. down on this website, having to go through this website and answer these questions, right? Of of filling out your unemployment each week, going through this stuff, getting kicked out, having to go back and wait another half hour to get back in. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's all day on unemployment, waiting on the website, waiting to get put into the portal. That whole system needs to be 
needs to be fixed. That's one of the things that, that, that I want to tackle, you know, if I get elected. Because who can, who can afford to live on 275 a week? Who? You know? I don't know many people that can. Especially with the rent prices now. Well, I'm I'm glad that we had this conversation. Um, I, I I can say that I like you. I I can say that um, you seem genuine to me, right? You do. Yeah, thank you. You do, you do seem genuine to me, Mark. Um, and as for me, I'm I'm about criminal justice. You know, yeah. I'm I'm here for you. You know, and and I'll try to rally the community behind you. You know. Right. Um, because this is what we need to do. There's many changes that has to come. There are people that are suffering in prison. True. The people that, 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 that like you, you, you just touched the surface. I mean, it, it brings me to tears to hear <clears throat> people hanging themselves and cutting themselves. But this is every day. Yeah. I've watched people be thrown in solitary confinement under investigation of some bullshit and, and just forgotten about in there. I've seen at a point to where they're they're just beating their head on the wall because this is a life that they're they don't know. Solitary confinement will drive you nuts. It'll it'll, it'll make you bananas. I was I I was going nuts working in confinement. I hated it. Yeah, most officers do. It's a depressing environment. You know, well, it breeds psychopathy. Yeah. Is, is what solitary on both sides, both the officers and the inmates, because the inmates are throwing shit and piss on these officers. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's a disgusting demonic well, world. I, I tell you, I'll tell you a story about me. Uh, I worked in the mental health building at Lake CI and, you know, I was always trying to do my best to do everything, you know, the way I was supposed to do it, the way, according to policy. And it's very, very difficult in that building because at that time, we were so shorthanded. I had one officer on the floor with me to do everything, security checks, feeding, you name it, keeping the place clean, you know, and I, I, I guess it was just the fact that if something bad was to happen or, you know, an officer was going to do something wrong. They didn't want me to see any of that stuff. They didn't want me to, to be there during any of it. So instead of, you know, just transferring me out of the building, they had to come up with stories and, and lies, you know, to write me up to try to demote me and get me out of the building, which was stupid, you know, because here I am doing my job, doing what I'm supposed to, and you want to get rid of me. Well, I had an inmate that, that threw shit at me, mm-hmm. you know, um, I don't know you know, what the circumstances were around him doing it. But I suspect that, you know, they, they put the inmate up to it. So, you know, he threw it at me and I don't, I didn't react the way that they wanted me to react. You know, my mind is, is more stable and, and I wouldn't do the things that some of these officers would do. So he threw the shit at me. I turned around, I walked off the floor Went into the officer station, took my shirt off, cleaned up. All the inmates are looking at me. You know, the lieutenant's there and, you know, everybody's. Sure, it was probably, embarrassing. Everybody, no, I won't say embarrassing because I didn't look at it like that. You know, mm-hmm. I looked at it as just part of the job that it happens to you. You know, so I see all the inmates looking, you know, down at the officer station. 
and I, I'm looking up at them. So me, you know, my personality and the way I, I did things, I just, I, I, I kind of flipped it a little bit on them. I just stood up, looked around. I did one of those. I waved, you know, and they all turned around and went about, went their, about business their business yeah. because they, they were waiting for me to do what the rest of the officers would do that got shit thrown at them. They'd go in the cell, beat their ass, do whatever, gas them, whatever they did. That wasn't the case. And and I think the lieutenant knew that was going to be the case as well. So they kind of, you know, took me off that floor and put me on a different floor. And and that was the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I had officers come up to me, you know, oh, you know, you should, let's go beat his ass, this and that. I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. What is that going to do for me? I'm still going home. I'm I'm okay. I'm not hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people didn't look at it the way I looked at it. You know, and a lot of times in solitary confinement, there's nothing else for us to do. I know. You know, and you know what? I'm feeling very violent today. So you know what? I'm going to pad up. I'm going to roll my mattress up. I'm going to tie it up. I'm going to set it up against this door and I'm going to throw shit on this officer when he but comes you, by. But and I'm going to want him to come in this cell. But you know what? All the times I worked in confinement, I never, ever had an issue. Why? Because the inmates respected me mm-hmm. because I did my job. You know, I did what I, what I was supposed to do according to policy. I, if they needed toilet paper, um, if, if it was feeding time, I always made sure that their tray was what they got. I didn't put the tray in the flap and dump it. Or I didn't give them a ghost tray. You, right. know what, you know what I'm saying? You know, there was no need to do that stuff. That If I had an issue with an inmate, and there have been many, you know, my biggest issue was contraband. If I had an inmate that I knew had contraband, I didn't have to go and plant something on him or write him up for some bullshit or anything. He always gave me the opportunity to get him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and whenever I put that pen to paper, that hurt them more than going into confinement. You know this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're you know, my freedom now. Right. Right. Because there's many, many that I went after for contraband. Many that had cell phones were, were repeat offenders. And they made it easy for me to do my job by the book because I knew they had a, a history of cell phones or drugs and I would just be patient, watch their behavior, listen. You know, I go, I, I do my, when I do my security checks outside the building, you're listening. You know, you go in the windows. They always talk. Mm-hmm. They always, they'll always talk and, and tell the truth when nobody's listening. It happens all the time. Yep. I, I'll listen in a window. And I, and there's a, another, there was an inmate at, at Lake CI that I would listen to his windows every morning for weeks. And I'd be sitting there with my pen and paper. I'd write because he was spilling the beans on everything that was going on at, at Lake CI, you know, and, and this inmate was a hierarchy inmate. Mm-hmm. He was not an inmate that you played with. Mm-hmm. You know, he was involved with the contraband big time. He gave his whole operation up, how he's bringing in the K2 through the VP. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm writing that down. I, go, I went to my captain with it. And what happened? Nothing. 
They didn't want to do nothing. I at least wanted to lock him up for conspiracy. At least slow down the K2 coming in. If, if, if we at least lock him up, they didn't want to do it. So I just had to keep listening, keep taking notes. And before you know it, he's spilling the beans on officers' names, sergeants, lieutenants, captains. He's, he's spilling the beans on everything. Well, and I'm glad that you said that because that's, that's what I, I, I was going to clarify when first, when you say VP, that's visiting part for those that don't know. And just because we hear people, and it may not be with this particular instance, but when we hear people say that that dope comes in through the visiting park, it's not an inmate going out and getting, you know, has somebody bringing it in and they're sitting out in visitation, maybe in the old days, and maybe for personal use, because you're not getting that much dope in, right? you know, in visitation that way. Right. No, this, this, this takes officers. These are officers that are working in the visiting park where somebody may bring the dope in. They're allowed to come in with the dope. This is all pre-organized stuff, stuff where the contacts are made on the street with these, these correctional officers and paid on the street. A lot of these inmates wives are out here sleeping with these officers on the street to get them to bring in cell phones and dope, all of this stuff. Right. That's pretty accurate. They, well, the, the, these are this is what what goes on. And these officers, right, will will step to these women when they're leaving prison. They'll meet them out in the parking lots, hit on them, tell them, you know, hey, we can help support. We can do these things, blah, blah, blah. This is what these officers are doing because. Officers know which inmates to fuck with and which ones not to, which ones are, are to deal with, which ones stayed true in their case. They're not rats, things of that nature. I think you have a lot of officers who are probably gang members, right? Who are joining in as uh, gang members. That's another subject that I've learned that I've learned about. So all, and and this happens with our police force as well. You know, it's not just the corrections, it's the police force, you know, but it's, but it's easier in the prison setting because they don't have the the oversight. They don't have the background checks like the law enforcement agencies do on the street. I know that. Okay, to to get a job in DOC, you gotta pass a medical, you gotta pass a background check, you gotta have a high school diploma or GED, and you gotta be at least eighteen. Okay, there's no polygraph testing, no voice stress test. Uh, they don't do the the vetting process like, you know, a police department does or or a government agency does. They don't go, they don't do that, and that's right. a bit, that they don't do tattoo checks. Because tattoos tell a lot about a person. They don't do tattoo checks on 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 people that are hi- that they're hiring. No, but they'll strip me down and take all my pictures of all my tattoos and store yes. them. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's a revelation. When I got hired, I didn't have to take my shirt off. Nothing. Hmm. I have I one. That. I have one tattoo, and there was never even a question, or even wanted to look at it. Huh? So, and and that's that's amazing to me because they have the profiles there, sure. right? They 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 know all the tattoos. They know the ink. They know all of that because that is their profession: is to keep these gangs separated 
on the yards, they have to recognize gangs. Right. Well, but I've, they're I've, not checking officers. I've learned through the years huh. that that um, I won't say the gang, but there's one particular gang that will recruit officers to come work in the prison just so they can bring in contraband. And they, you know, they have their people out on the street. They make sure they don't have a criminal background. They don't get in trouble. They stay in school and they recruit those people. How much does a cell phone go for in prison now? Now? Well, I'm going to guess. Well, I could tell you, you know, what I found out and that'll give you kind of an idea. I know I I got an iPhone one time and the inmate told me he paid 1200 for it. So that gives you an example. I think the little flip phones, they're probably five, six, seven hundred bucks for the little flip phones. And now they have those little tiny, you know, smartphones that are coming in or they've been coming in for a long time now. I've gotten some of those. Those could be up over seven hundred as well. And and you can see what they go for on eBay or Amazon, wherever they're selling them. They're cheap. And they're, they're making a lot of money on them. And the only way a cell phone can get into prison is how? Like, what are, what are the ways that a cell phone can get into prison? All the ways. All the ways would be, number one, officers through the front gate. You know, if you're in, if you're in the clique of the officers that do that stuff, you know, they're going to cover for each other at the front gate, metal detectors coming in, going wherever, um, drones. I've seen them come in through the back gate, you know, in, in, uh, in through food service, you know, in, uh, in the bread, they'll, they'll hollow out the loaf of bread and stick contraband in there coming through the back gate, uh, coming through the canteen, the inmate canteen. There was inmates running the, the cell phone, you know, moving the cell phones mm-hmm. at Lake CI through the canteen. I found out about that. Um, throw them over the fence there was one area at lake where they did that mm-hmm. um i think the uh, visitation park would be the last resort for them to do it when they're really desperate because mm-hmm. that's that's the way that they're really not going to be able to get into vp with with the contraband mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. depending on the officers who are working it you know you'll have officers that are real lazy don't do searches like they should and then you have some that are very good at what they do and they, they find that stuff all the time. So those are probably your, your, your biggest ways of the contraband coming in. And a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, I've gone to the IG's office with it and they've done nothing. Well, speak on the IG a little bit. Um, one, what is IG? And, and two, what, what are their powers? Like what, what do they control? Well, IG stands for Inspector General's Office. Mm-hmm. There was a, that's the, uh, the agency that investigates anything in the prison system, officers, inmates, everything. Statewide? So, yeah, statewide. Okay. <clears throat> My problem with the IG's office is they, they, they work under the umbrella of DOC, and that shouldn't be because there's probably been – instances that uh, at least i know of that you know the agency would kind of try to dictate what happens in certain investigations like like my cases for example um i personally was able to 
prove that the IG's office was corrupt in my second case. And and I'll give you a small example of the case. Um, when I had reported a captain in 2017 for beating up an inmate right in front of me, you know, I did my incident report the way I was supposed to do it. But the problem in my incident report was the, the captain that beat up the inmate gave me a wrong name because he knew I was going to report it. Mm-hmm. So the name that he gave me, I put in my report, did it everything the way it happened. Went to, it went to the assistant warden, ultimately to the IG's office. They did their little investigation. They brought me in. They questioned me. And it never went any further than that. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they knew I had the wrong inmate. But if they would have called me back in and says, hey, you got the wrong inmate or this inmate's denying it happened, you know, we need more information. They never did that because they knew that I would, I would find out that it was the wrong inmate. And now I would get the right inmate at that time, and they'd they'd have to take action on that captain. But the fact that everyone else that showed up on scene, all the other officers, they went along with what the captain wanted to dictate in the reports. And it, it didn't look good on my part because I was the only one saying, you know, how it really happened. But they went along with the captain. So they knew that was going to be the case never called me back in. And then ultimately, you know, that warden came after me and, and got, you know, I got fired. And then the uh, IG's office could have gotten the one email that I was trying to get to prove my case. And they, they refused to do it. And then, and, and the IT lady also refused to do it because it would have, the truth would have came out, you know, the same day I reported everything, mm-hmm. but that's the problem with having an agency that answers to the same agency who's paying them. You know, the, these wardens are allowed to dictate some of the things that happen in these investigations. And that shouldn't be the case. There should be a total separate entity to do these investigations. And a lot more things would happen if that was the case. Well, so some of my solutions are, are exactly that is, is, these are public entities. I don't care what the government thinks they are. These are public entities. And we need public people, right, as far right. as community <clears throat> leaders, right? Why do we have no foundations of where, where, where uh, we have community representatives that have been through the system like me at the top making these decisions or being part of these, these discussions and decisions as to how criminal justice needs to reform, right? Right. Again, we have a bunch of people who are making decisions who have never been locked up, know nothing of the experience, have never been through the judicial system whatsoever, right? They're just up there taking handouts from people to make decisions to keep this prison industrial system to go. So with that being said, Mark, if you make it up here, how willing are you to, to bring on representatives such as myself to help with, with some, of these, some of these things? Well, I know there's already some, you know, some state representatives that already want to work on this problem, but they're fighting against a bigger body of politicians in Tallahassee that don't want change, you know, Mm -hmm. but I feel that if I get in there, I think they'll under, they'll have somebody in there who can give them a better insight of what's going on and what needs to take place to improve things and 
And the biggest thing is to save taxpayer dollars. You know, that's a big thing. And that's one of my goals is to save taxpayer dollars on a lot of the frivolous things that go on in the agency. You know, we all know what it is, but nobody wants to step up and and take change, you know, on one side of the political spectrum. Yeah, well, this, you know, everybody's talking about DeSantis, DeSantis, you know, as as he's the the second coming of Christ. And I'm the first to tell you that this man is... And, and his crew, his get along, go along gang is adherently against criminal justice reform, right? They're about stricter policies. They're about keeping everything intact as it is, because I guarantee that they're, they're reaping the benefits from it, you know? So those representatives that you are talking about, send them my way, you know, send them my way because I want to know who the roadblocks are. We, the people want to know who the roadblocks are so we can get these people out of there. Yeah. Well, you know? I think you can, you can tell who they are by looking at the, some of the things that they vote on. And mm-hmm. that's a, that's a telltale sign right there of who's on, who, who wants to do what in, in the department of corrections. Cause there are bills that, that were passed and proposed that have to do with department of corrections. You could see that. And even law enforcement specifically, you know, I understand what you're saying sometimes about, you know, DeSantis and, and everyone in Tallahassee. Um, I particularly care about how he treats law enforcement. And I think you can agree. He, you know, he, he has a, he protects law enforcement more than anything. You, you understand that. So, you know, some of the things that he does, I care about even with uh, the parental rights in schools. I care about that. You know, those are things that are good. And, you know, you know, and I know that there's things that we don't like that, that he does. And, you know, we just have to, we have to try to, you know, work around some of the things that are getting done and try to improve them. That's just my opinion. Well, one of them is I've been on four TikTok lives with four different cops. You know, these cops love being on TikTok live now, right? No, I, I don't know about what, what, oh, are they, yeah. what are they doing? Oh, well, they're, they're on their the uniform and, you know, they're, they're just hanging out, you know, just talking, talking cop stuff, you know, they'll be on TikTok live or whatnot and they'll take guests and such. And, you know, so I've been on four of these, right? Right. Four discussions with four different cops mm-hmm. and I'll set them up, you know, Hey, you know, uh, how do you feel about the constitution? Oh, well, I'm a constitutionalist. Some will say, and, you know, uh, I'm all about the people's rights. And, and if orders were to come that would violate the people's rights, you know, I would sit down my badge and, you know, all the good guy stuff. Right. Great. Right. All that sounds great. What's the Fourth Amendment? Oh, well, you know, I got to, you know, uh, man, you really put me on the spot there. And, you know, oh, it's been a while since I need to brush up on. Now, what's the Fourth Amendment? You know, the right to search and seizure. These these are the rights that you you should know two plus two when it, when it, when a, when a citizen walks up and asks a cop, what's the fourth amendment, they're supposed to say this, and this is how I uphold it. This is how I protect it. These cops don't even know the constitution. So they're grandstanding. How can you protect my rights if you don't even know what they are? Right. Well, one thing that troubles me and I see a lot in some of the videos is, you know, I see a lot of these new First Amendment auditors that are doing these these videos. You know, you know about them, and 
and it, some and I watch some of them and I'm and all I'm I'm just watching them and I'm and I'm I'm cringing and I'm saying to myself, God, that's so simple. That's the Constitution. That's that person's right, and you don't even know it. And it, and it just it's sad that we have these officers that don't know the Constitution, like you just said. These are the issues, Mark. Yeah. These are the issues. And this is why they're so out of touch with, with the community, you know. They don't realize that if if they knew the Constitution and if they see what this person's trying to do with this audit, they would instantly give them what they want because they know that's what they deserve and then let them be on their merry way and it'll be over. Well, this is why I don't back the blue. And it's not to say that I don't I don't back, you know, officers. I don't back the blue because the blue is an organization and and it's that entitlement that allows them to oversee these these simple rights and what you just described. You know, it's the entitlement is I'm a cop. You have to do what I say. I don't want you here. Now go. Yeah, that goes back to the culture. You have the culture that's teaching them that. And that's why they, they that's why they talk like that. So, no, I, I don't back the blue because that culture is corrupt. And until we, the people, know that once again, we can just approach a cop and not feel anxious, not feel threatened in any kind of way. But this is a person of the community. I can come to you and I can just talk to you right? without you looking for a crime or asking me all kinds of invasive questions. You know, just just talk. Yeah. You know, that is what we, we we're missing. That culture is gone. But. Listen, you want to come back and take take questions? I know uh, I have sure. one that has been waiting for for quite a while, so I want to sure. bring her in and let her. So we'll take questions from the guests. We'll wrap it up. Sure. Five. Okay. Take five. Sure. Okay. Okay. See you. For my guests, um, Kelly, you will be on next. Um, we're going to take five and take questions from the guests. I, I appreciate you guys for sticking around for this important discussion.